Hello everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast, produced by the Magnolia Healing Center. I'm your host, Yitz Epstein. In this podcast, we will be delving into topics related to narcissistic abuse, codependency, childhood wounds, childhood trauma, mental illness, and all things narcissism. The purpose of this podcast is to bring widespread awareness and healing to the global epidemic of narcissism and codependency. It is my hopes that with this podcast, we can collectively create an environment of health and healing for you, the individual, and for the world at large. Let's begin. Thank you all so much for joining us for today's episode. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Hills, who is a former client and a corporate junior executive in healthcare tech. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so happy to have you on. I'm so happy that you uh, agreed to come on because you are someone who has a lot of experience in the corporate world. Um, you deal with a lot of high-profile high uh, people and companies, and you also have a lot of experience with narcissism and narcissistic abuse. So I wanted to open up the discussion with what are what have you seen, what have you experienced with narcissism and narcissistic abuse in the corporate world? Well, it's so much of it comes from creating my own awareness first, right? So once I you know, and this is recently, I'm surprised to say like in the middle of my life, um, I'm, I'm 40 ish I'm actually over 40, but, um, but to really, to realize in the middle of my life, what I had experienced as a young person, um, how, how common that is, right. To have been raised by a narcissist, kind of the, the, the patterns that that creates in my family of origin and, the, and in my own life. And once I saw those things, I saw so clearly why I do what I do. Um, both in a personal setting, but most specifically in a professional setting. And oddly, I realized that it's been um, my ability to survive in that environment as a young person, right? Um, Through kind of, I'm a fawner, right? Through fawning is one of the things that actually made me successful in the corporate world and made me start to realize how many um, of the highly successful leaders that are in the corporate world are actually themselves uh, exhibiting narcissistic tendencies, right? So, so we survivors are adept, right, at um, at navigating that. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to unsee once you've seen it, right? Once you know what's going on. Yeah, no question. You mentioned you mentioned fawn. Um, fawn is an effective strategy if you're trying to survive. Um, you know, ultimately, if I become something that is of value to my perpetrator, and they ultimately will not, you know, see me as a threat, and they won't continue to abuse. Um, so what, how would you describe your, your family of origin? Obviously, you, we talked about all your experiences in childhood uh, in a narcissistic home, and then you just mentioned fawning. How would you say your, your skill set from surviving in a narcissistic home has translated into being uh, successful in the corporate world? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, my family of origin is a big group of people. So just the sheer amount of complexity and like the relationships that exist. I'm one of um, eight children, seventh of eight children. And um, the, uh, the situation, you know, having, having a narcissistic father and then, you know, not dissimilar from a lot of really big families, kind of having this, this um, worship of, of, the mother, of our mother, right, created a situation where you couldn't, you couldn't deny the family unit, right? You couldn't go against the family unit in any way. All you could do is try to navigate the family unit. And so what I found out that I was really adept at early on is that I could see because, you know, because I was kind of lost in the middle of all of that, right? I was that lost child that just was really ignored in the early stages of, of my life. 
Um, and it allowed me to observe the dynamics really closely, right? So any success that I had in my family was, was by watching all of them. And it was in, and the dynamics to me were clear as a bell, right? Oh, you know, my father, the way to get around him is to do one of two things is to tell him exactly what he wants to hear, right? Or only tell him things that he, that are relevant to him, right? And his interests and the rest of it is mine. And if he tries to coerce me with things like money or praise, I would just put myself in a situation where those things weren't relevant to me, you know, for So for example, um, Hey dad, can I, can I borrow, can I have the car, you know, or can I have some money to have gas to take the car out? Right. Cause the cars were you know, always out of gas. Um, can I money take the car out? Um, so I can go see my friends. Well, why do you want to see my friends? What are you going to do for me? What have you done? You know, and he would try to often coerce me, control my time. Um, and I'd go, Oh, and I'd just be like, Oh, okay. No, no worries. If that's, you're going to be like that. I'll have my friend pick me up. Right. So I always created avenues around it. And he, for me, was incredibly easy to manage. However, um, as, as a teenager, um, however, you know, um, my siblings just didn't see those patterns. Like I got to see them kind of beat their head against the brick wall with that kind of coercion, um, fight it, scream at it. You know, my mother was also one of those that would kind of fight it, cry, scream. And what I did is just strategize around it. And so in the corporate world, shocker, I'm a strategist, right? And I am a, a very effective at that strategist because I can kind of see the whole playing field really quickly and see whose interests lie where and how do we create a situation that was of compounding interest, right? And that's something that, that I still do to this day, but it is nice now to know how I got here. And it's allowing me to be a little bit healthier in the choices of how do I protect myself and my interests in those big dynamics. Yeah, no question. It makes so much sense. I always say that if you're raised in a narcissistic home, you're either become extremely broken or you find a way to become extremely successful and use that motivation to be enough and, and to, to get your needs met, right? To, uh, and, be, yeah. and use that to become extremely successful, which, which you have. Um, so let me ask you this, how, how have your experiences and, and your knowledge, obviously now your, your newfound awareness on narcissism and, and how it uh, changes you as a person. So how would you say that adjusted your look on just corporate leadership in general and, and how, you would, how you approach the corporate world? Such a good question. I think what's changed the most, um, well, I'll, I'll first go what it was like before, right? Before I started to gain this awareness, what it was like for me before, and this is a lot of survivors have this feeling, right? Of, of this hypervigilance, right? So incredibly anxious and focused on success and, and navigating every interaction perfectly, right? Never upset the abuser, you know, never upset your boss, never upset um, the people in power right? Never do anything to cross them. Um, and then of course, at the same time, once you, you know, and then creating this situation where you're placating, placating, placating all the time, and then you may just rebel. That's what I often did. Right. Or, or in those situations, I would, I would know that I, that I was maybe being subjugated in some way, right. That, uh, and I'm speaking from a corporate perspective, right. Um, and I would overreact at times as well. Right. I would also like come out with my fists up. And I became really tough. I think growing up in that family and a lot of brothers, um, they, a couple of them have become narcissists themselves, but they were angry, um, abusive people and, um, and they still are. And so I came out really tough, right? If I was going to survive, I was the smallest, I was a girl. And, um, and so I came into the corporate world with a big chip on my shoulder too. And, 
in a lot of situations, um, that helped me as a woman because, um, I could one navigate situation, but if I did upset somebody, I, I had the, the physical wherewithal to, to be able to handle myself, right. And the intellectual wherewithal to do that too, but goodness, that, that was a bumpy road (laughs) and it didn't feel good. And when I started to encounter people who really cared about me in the corporate world, who maybe, maybe came from the same path and who mentors I'm talking about to let, to figure out a way to let that wall down so I could be authentic as a, as a leader, right. To be available for people because they can feel when you're putting up walls, right. Or when you're putting up barriers, um, that, that, that was when it really, I had to figure, why do I do what I do? Why am I doing this? And recall most recent mentor going, you know, I'm not sure if you know this yet, but you don't have anything to prove to me or to anyone else. You've proven it a long time ago. And if we can get to a point where you're confident in who you are and what you bring to the table, there is infinitely more potential ahead of you than behind you. And, and that was really exciting to hear. And, and that, that safety, right, that psychological safety that that person was able to provide really helped me start to go, goodness, maybe I don't have to fight through this. And so you know, that happened around the same time of meeting you yet. Um, and so it really was part of, I think, a kind of a, an a overall personal evolution, right, and choosing to work with you. Because it was like, for the first time in my life, I can see why did I behave the way that I behaved? I can care for myself and know that it was really natural to behave the way that I behaved. And any mistakes that came from that, any, any misgivings or any missteps were completely natural, completely human. And, and I can continue on knowing I'm, I'm just a human, right? I'm just a human responding to the, the things, the stimuli around me. And, um, and I can look at it almost in the same way that I look at most things, like as a strategy and go, oh, okay, well, you're going to do this. This is natural. The best thing you can do is to, to understand it and learn from it. And that's what's different now is more of some, some lightness of touch on myself and on others too, right? I'm not finding myself anywhere near as critical of others because I'm not as critical of myself. I love that so much. And I find that to be the case with, with myself, right? So you know, for, for the longest time, this is how I thought all people operated. You know, you're raised in a narcissistic home. That's all you know. And ultimately it, it, it breeds great success. So if it works, why are we trying to do it any other way? Um, but there is a much better way, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, self-acceptance. Um, I'm, so ultimately when it comes down to it, it's the way we treat ourselves. And that's really how we get damaged as we try to treat ourselves with disrespect. You know, we abuse ourselves by taking down boundaries, but, um, but ultimately healing, you know, like we, like we talked about is really Really just about coming into your own commanding respect without needing to fight for it or or or, um, or simply uh, give up our, our freedoms to get it um, I want to ask you specifically about being a, a female if you don't mind because I find that the corporate world seems to me to be quite uh, you know masculine it seems to be dominated by men now that's a very general statement um, but it seems that way so I'm curious to know what are your experiences is that the case and in fact if it is how do you navigate it as a female Great questions all around. Um, and to be fair, every corporate environment is a little bit different. So some women may be in an environment that is um, that is uniquely um, that is uniquely uh, balanced, right? And it's gender, but statistically speaking, and especially the the corporate environments that I've worked in, I worked in kind of two major industries now, right? Both health and tech. 
And um, they've both been male dominated, right? To 80% men to, you know, right now, I think tech is a little bit better at like 60% um, men, but you're always outnumbered. And, and the higher you go up in the ranks, like when I'm in the boardrooms, there's only one, maybe two women in those rooms, right? And we're often not in the leadership roles, right? And so how do you, I think the challenge was reading the room, understanding that there's biases against you, both conscious and unconscious, and how to, again, not have to like, the effective way wasn't to stomp your feet and rail up against it, but to help others become aware of their biases and to put yourself in a position where you can be heard. So it really did require, of course, an enormous amount of empathy, right? An enormous amount of fawning and understanding of assessing the power and the translation in the room. Um, but how do you remain strong? And so, you know, thinking about how I've gotten there, the hypervigilance that, that I created, I did create a lot of a, a brand, right? A personal brand, thinking really consciously of, of course, the values that my narcissist, uh, narcissistic father relayed on me is I had to be beautiful. I had to be um, well coiffed all the time, right? So I never let my guard down with my peers in that way. But I had to be intellectually superior to them, right? So I had to be over-researched, over-planned, over-effective. And then, and then physically, um, I had to be able to hold my own, right? So I looked, I created this, this world where I was the strongest, smartest, most attractive person in the room. Um, and that had nothing to do with sexuality. It just had everything to do with appearance, right? So that I could use that as a bit of a shield to protect my authentic self, right? Which was a normal, insecure uh, person with, with varying um, abilities and disabilities. And um, people could see through that, right? People could see through that, um, the, the generous ones, right? The people who are confident in themselves. But with the other narcissists in the room, um, which is the majority thereof, it works really, really well. Right. You have they the narcissists love to be around somebody who's impeccable. And um, I, I focused a lot on being impeccable and it, it got me a lot of places, but it, it's not a very safe place. Um, and so as a woman. What I started to do, of course, is use the credibility that I built through those, you know, my impeccable appearance, my nature. But then also, of course, as I developed more and more successes allowing myself to be confident in those successes and realizing I didn't need to speak over anyone, but I, but I could often use things like questions um, to draw out somebody's true, you know, so for example, when, when somebody will belittle you around uh, making a sexual double entendre, this is really common. Uh, using curiosity and intellectual depth to really draw that out. So for, so they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I bet that leader really likes you because of, you know, your, your upper body, your physique. And I said, well, I guess I don't quite understand. Um, what, what do you, what do you mean by my upper body? And, you know, making them really draw out those statements. One, it, it, it deflates all the power that those individuals might have in trying to get you off kilter, right? Because they're trying to, to make you feel uncomfortable when they do that, narcissists especially. Um, but it also, you know, in a, using the group setting, using the public forum that they may have said that in as a way to really draw attention to their behavior. 
it was a real, it's a really neutral way to keep myself safe. And I use the power and of course the good nature of others to, um, to, to help this person, uh, give them a, give them a free out, right. Just let them stop talking. And, um, and I never have to, I never have to point them out or another tool is, is silence is really valuable silence with like a clear steely, (laughs) a clear steely, um, eye contact is really helpful. So for example, when somebody will ask me, when, when am I going to have another baby? Am I going to take time off of work? Right. Because that's always the statement of, you know, women are not as serious about in the corporate world because we have children with no, no context of parenting or, or the value of parenting, right? Narcissists often don't value parenting. And, um, what I'll say in those situations is nothing. Yes. I'll still stare directly at these individuals in the eye and I'll let the silence of the room just get weighty. And then I'll let them get nervous and just move on from the topic because it's no one's business. What I do with my, my childbearing, you know, with my fertility or my, uh, my family planning, it's only my husband's and mine. So those are a couple examples. I, am I answering your question? I mean, those sound like pretty tough examples, but I started to use kind of social, there's good people in the room all the time. There always are. And I use those ways to kind of protect myself, but not put myself in there, in, in their crosshairs. Absolutely. That answers it. It's almost like you've learned how to professionally walk on eggshells. You're like a, a, a emotional and relational ju, ju- you know, jitsu, you're just constantly fighting off attacks. It almost seems like just being a female, being a vulnerable female would be an impossibility. Like you said, your defenses have to be up because just by being a female, you're, you're up against it. It's almost like there's something that you have to prove, even though there's really nothing you do. Um, so I admire your courage. It's interesting. A lot of what you're describing is, is even though I'm not a female, obviously there are so many things that as someone who lives authentically or aims to and be vulnerable, um, you know, as a man as well, it's just being vulnerable in general, all those things could be used against you. Uh, there's no such thing as, as, uh, you know, ultimately anybody could backstab you, you know, ultimately you got to protect yourself. So how would you say as someone who's, you know, done some healing work with myself and obviously you're on this healing journey and, uh, and you've in so many different ways, you know, you've overcome your childhood. How would you say that this, this healthier version of yourself is experiencing just, I guess, life in general, but also your relationships specifically, you know, corporate relationships. How would you say that people adjust to this new healthier version of you? Great question. It seems to be, um, taking some time for example, cause you know, you'll, you'll have advocates and then you might lose advocates. Um, a couple of things that, that I've done or I'm doing most recently is feeling really confident with the, um, telling others how to treat me. You know, in the past, it's really hard to ask for your needs to be met, right? For, for after surviving what we've survived. And, um, but now I feel every right, for example, we were going through a leadership change and there was enormous amount of radio silence from our leaders, right? Just huge change. Who's going to be the boss to different leadership styles, different respect of personal time amongst these leadership styles, right? And um, the team that I'm on is all women. We're all, most of us are mothers. And we do get nervous about these kinds of things because you, you, when you have a leader that respects your personal time, you can absolutely be a working mother. When you have a leader that doesn't, it's hard. It's really hard. And it doesn't matter about the gender of that individual, right? It's just their, their approach to the work. So as this radio silence was going around, 
um, initially I'd be like, oh, well, they're, they're the boss and, you know, they know, and I shouldn't ask, I shouldn't walk the boat. Right. Because they're, you know, they're like, like I would get punished in some way. And then I said, no, this is, this is an objective. Um, this is a world where there's a fair exchange of my time for the money. And if I'm not being, if my time is not being respected and utilized, I have every right to ask for respect and for communication. And so, you know, realizing that I have those rights and then standing up, using my voice to stand up for myself in an appropriate way and not really feeling bad about it. So when this new leader came into, came into control and, and, and um, she, it was a woman asked really deeply, what, how am I feeling? What did I think? I felt very confident in saying what I felt and what I thought. And unfortunately, this person even actually took a step forward and said, well, Sarah, if you, um, if you feel that way, I would hate for your attitude to come down and have a negative effect on your career progress. And that felt like a very, like a very thinly veiled threat to, Hey, either, you know, show up with a sunny attitude or, um, or you may not have the opportunities that you thought you could in this, in this job. And what I said with real confidence back to this new boss of mine is appreciate you saying that I am very confident in my ability to compartmentalize my emotions about the, the change in command and the change in leadership and the work that needs to be done in my role. So please, my, please know that my, um, my course is generally optimistic and focused and I'll, I'll apply that to this role, but you asked how I felt. And so I told you. Yeah, and the, and my subcontext was there is if you don't want to know how I feel, don't feign and ask, right? I'm allowed to feel however I feel in this situation. And I felt incredibly confident in that statement and in my value as an employee. And, and that's what, that's what came through right next was you're incredibly talented. So sorry. We all know how talented you are. Everyone loves having you on this team. And so, you know, the, the context came through with my my, my understanding and my expectation, right. To them is that you need to respect me as an individual. You can't ask my feelings and then belittle my feelings, right. And then minimize them. No question. It's uh, it's interesting. It almost seems like, you know, narcissism is the winning, the winning way, right. It's the, you lack empathy, lack emotion, lack, you know, but the way I see it is, is that um, the, that's, I would say more masculine traits, you know, dominating and power, but I would say the feminine traits are really what uh, over the long run, sustained success, creativity, compassion. So based on that, my question to you is, is the future not female or maybe female, but is, do you feel like the feminine is the way, is how the future is going to start uh, unfolding? It almost seems that for so long, which is just my lifetime, so that's not relative, it's, you know, always in context, but it seems like for the longest time, uh, masculine has basically dominated and it's worked, but it's it's destroying itself. So do you feel like, uh, for the future, do you feel like the feminine is going to have this almost uh, just this ri rise up where we they start to just be the leaders? Because ultimately, I do believe that the feminine and, and females have so much leadership to offer and they haven't really been given that opportunity. So do you think we're going to start to appreciate the feminine and, and the qualities that uh, they bring? 100%. I, I probably would phrase it a little differently is that um, a diverse leadership team is what's going to bring about change. And the, the teams that are leading should be just as diverse as the business purpose that they're trying to affect. So for example, I work in healthcare, that's every human in the world, 
right? So our leadership in healthcare should be just as diverse as the people we're caring for. And that requires, you know, male or female, it really comes down to a personality trait. Um, but, you know, for example, in negotiations, we talk about this all the time. There's, there's, they talk about two different kinds of, of styles, right? Like kind of a hunting style and a farming style. And the hunting style that you're, you know, is, would be typically a male style, right? You know, kind of scorch the earth, no going back. Um, only, there's only one winner. And that's not true. That's never true in negotiations. A really successful negotiation is where both parties are better off, right? So if you can find that compounding interest, that requires listening, empathy, common ground, not always compromise actually either, right? But maybe finding a path that is, ooh, your interests lie here, my interests lie there. What is a path that compounds both of those interests? And that requires work on both sides as well, right? So if you're belittling people, you're pushing them down, they're not going to collaborate. And collaboration, right? Like, like you're speaking of, um, women are generally better at collaborating because we are required to accommodate kind of throughout our whole lives, right? Accommodate our parents, accommodate pregnancy, accommodate children, accommodate spouses. Um, that's the real superpower of human, the human race is collaboration, not conquering. And the conquering is only the first bit. And then you have to build a society after that to make it successful. So otherwise we're just going to, you know, all running around in the dark, you know, shooting bows and arrows. So um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but I think the more, the more consideration that we have for each other, the more successful world we will all be. Well, most definitely. I love the word collaboration. I think, I think balance, you know, everyone just, just playing their part. Everyone has a role. Um, and uh, so as someone who, who is a, is, is a successful in this way, who's able to navigate as a female, you know, I have so much respect because I feel like that is such an incredible uh, ability to, to navigate these, the, the, this, just the many egos, right. And just balancing things. And, and, uh, ultimately I do believe strongly that if we do, and we need to desperately at this time, incorporate more empathy, compassion, and interconnection, the ability to co-create as opposed to dominate will ultimately lead to, to a healthier world in general. Um, so to, to, to finish off, you know, what, what advice would you give somebody who is, let's say considering entering to the corporate world or who already is in it and maybe is struggling with this sort of narcissism uh, in the corporate world, what would you uh, advise them? What kind of advice would you give them? Oh, wow. That's such great questions. Um, well, first and foremost, if you feel as though you are going through the things that I, that I went through, this kind of sense of perfectionism, hypervigilance, you know, you have a really, really strong critical voice in your head. Um, I'll give you the same advice that I gave when I was a professor um, for business school, the, all of our new coming MBAs, I would say, if you want to be a good manager, get a good therapist. Uh -huh. Leaders need support. And these kind of, you know, the megalomaniacs that you see at the beginning, at the top of these corporate ladders, right? And these are often, I mean, you know who they are, these founders, I, I won't name names, but most of them run these, the major tech firms or social media firms that exist today, right? Um, they're not making considerations for the greater good. They're making considerations for their needs. And these, these generally are examples of people who maybe never had their needs met, right? Who are maybe incapable of meeting other people's needs. So you have to be that person for yourself first and foremost. So make sure that you've got a good therapist, but then within your workspace, look for allies, look for mentors. And those take time to develop. Um, so my advice to it would be twofold. Look for those allies, look for the people who care. And it doesn't have to be gender-based, right? Um, 
for those of us in the corporate world, most of your options are going to be men. Um, they, they always have been for me, but what I looked for was something very specific. Look for men who respect the women in their lives, who value the women in their lives overtly, who make time for their children, who make time for themselves. And then look for jobs and people who are, who are emulating the kind of career and the kind of lifestyle that you want. You don't have to take every attribute from every single person, but take time to ask, to tell them what you admire about them. You know, people love that. Narcissists absolutely love that. And then ask them about their experience and listen and learn. And um, even if this is somebody, you know, maybe even if it's somebody you don't want to emulate, asking them those questions will give you a lot of information. Um, and my last pitch is going to be, and this is this is how it's how I've developed um, my psychological safety at work, is find your people, right? Create those connections, and then start to, as you develop more strength in yourself, start to develop the world that you want to see at work, right? Um, be that good partner to your peers. Be that good partner to other women. I love love mentoring and developing other women, whether it's in my own firm or, or in another one um, and creating this, this net of individuals who are sharing each other's learnings and you're not alone. You don't have to be alone in the corporate world. Um, just because you might be on a team of all men, there's other women all over the world that need your, that need friendship and partnership from you. And the more you talk to each other, the better. Right. And, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just that person to a lot of people. And I've all, because, and then I've got, I look out, I don't have any hesitation about asking other people to be that person to me too. Love it. Absolutely. Makes so much sense. And um, I agree with all that. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for trusting me on your healing journey. Thank you for coming on to today's episode. This was so much fun. Thank you for being such a powerful force for healing and paving the way for the many people who are going to come after you and, and, and see how you could be in a corporate world, be a strong female and, uh, and thrive. So thank you so much for that. Oh, thanks. Yes. Thanks for everything you do. And, and anybody who's listening, I encourage you to please reach out directly to Yitz. He actually does answer the phone when, <laughs> when you dial his number, um, it worked for me immediately. And it's one of the, um, the best things I've done for myself in years. So, uh, so glad, so glad to know you. Of course. Likewise. And, um, all right, well, thank you all so much for joining and until next time, all the best.